Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I'm chilling, Stevie Sacks. How you doing today? Oh, wonderful. Ready to hop into episode 149 of your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, Share Economy, Uber Lyft, you know, all that stuff. Podcast in the world, and we have a special guest today. Who we got, Stevie Stacks? Oh, we got a certain Brian Fontenot. Did I say it right? Fontenot? Man, you said it perfectly. You can go Uh, ahead and be my cousin now. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Fontenot. Well, here's Brian's story. Brian is a serial entrepreneur developing multiple income streams to develop generational wealth while teaching others how to do the same. Brian is also a real estate investor, philanthropist, uh, public speaker, and a short-term rental operator with 20-plus units in the Houston area. Through Brian's hospitality company, Drifter Travels, they have hosted thousands of stays, provided a home away from home, as a short-term rental operator, Brian has navigated the life-changing events like COVID to be able to run a business that continues to grow sustainably. Welcome, Brian. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be on the podcast. Man, and to start it off, man, we, I met Brian through Clubhouse. Another awesome, awesome, awesome connection. So I, I, I've been excited to get him on. So let's hop to it. So, Brian, so how did you get into the short-term rental industry? Ooh, man, that's a crazy story. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I had a friend who came down and stayed with me for about a month, and he couldn't stop raving about Airbnb. And so during this time, it was, in the, it was at a point where I was trying to make a transition in my life, trying to go away from like a nine-to-five and pursue entrepreneurship. But I was so much to the point where I didn't know where I wanted to do that. I just had made the jump. And so fast forward a, a month later, I ended up uh, reaching out to another friend that happened to live in Atlanta. And this friend ha- happened to have bought a house and he was doing an Airbnb. And he was telling me about the money that he was making on Airbnb. And it was just sounding so good. I was like, man, this is something that I could really pursue or I'm interested in. And so I ended up quitting my job, going out to stay with him for a week after I had uh given all of my income away as a scholarship to students in my local area. So I basically started from scratch. I didn't have anything. I didn't really have a dollar to my name at that point. And I was just so moved to do this. And so here I go to Atlanta, staying out for a week, learning about foreclosures, learning about tax liens and watching seeing this Airbnb that he created that was, you know, generating more income probably than his job. And so I was so moved by that, that I literally started spending the next couple of months trying to figure out how can I make Airbnb work for me? Like, how does this work? I spent hours uh, watching videos that I could find on YouTube, just anything that could give me a, a, a glimpse of where to start. I ended up paying for coaching calls to uh, probably a notable within the short-term rental industry, uh, Sean Rakovich, who runs Airbnb Automated. And I continued to connect with other hosts. And so after about three months of what I considered research and going back to school and learning how to, everything I could about Airbnb, I struck out and got my first arbitrage property. Uh, it was December of 2018. And boy, was I excited. I had uh, found some contract jobs had, had developed a really strong marketing company. And so I had some funds that I saved up for the next couple of months while I was doing 
uh, all of my uh, education, as I would say. And that's what led me into short-term rentals. And I kid you not, best decision I ever made, never would turn back on it because this was a vision, I guess I could say I had when I was about 17 years old that I wanted to be in real estate, but never could imagine how things have unfolded with uh, real estate. Over the course of 2019, I continued to grow, grow, grow. And 2020, we, I guess, I probably mentioned my bio, we navigated COVID. And boy, was that a tricky situation. But I love this industry. I love the people that we get to meet. And, you know, this is something I, I want to do forever. Man, that, that's powerful. You just, you dove all in, man. You did that nosedive. So what, what markets are you in? So all of our units are currently within the Texas market, specifically Houston, Texas, my home and my place of pride. Okay. And how, how big is your portfolio of operation? Are, are, well, you, you only do arbitrage or you buy as well? So we only do arbitrage. I do have a couple of buy and hold properties that are outside of our portfolio, mm-hmm. but all of our units are here in Houston. We've got over 20 plus units uh, in the Houston area. And so depending on the ones that, um, the ones that will be listed on the platform and those that are kind of just available. If, but if we have, for instance, long-term bookings, we don't list those properties on the unit or like on Airbnb or any of the websites. So you can't really find those, but we have a lot of units now that are becoming booked for a longer period of time. So our portfolio will fluctuate online. Awesome. Good, good problems to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Nice. So why you love Houston so much? Uh, I mean, I got the bias of being from the hometown. I was born and raised about three minutes outside of Houston, but I, I love the arts about Houston. I love the people that I meet. I love the food, the food. I can't, understate that the restaurants that we have per capita is like the most most in the country and just the energy i get to meet so many interesting people mm-hmm. i got fraternity brothers that are also within airbnb i got friends that are with the, Air, the airbnb and the whole short-term rental uh industry and it's cool to like vibe off of those energies and really you know grow from people that are also in the same market as you and that they're you know striving to accomplish some of the same things as you so for me that's you know a big win being here but most importantly, it's welcoming to the type of business that we run. So they welcome us, uh, welcome us to, to an extent, you know, I think all, so all cities have some type of uh, hesitancy uh, from kind of short-term rentals because a lot of it is unknown or a lot of it has been renewed thanks to the interest that Airbnb has created from popularity. But uh, most importantly, uh, we found great partners and great people to work with, great apartment complexes that uh, truly value us as a partner and make it conducive to our business. And we make it conducive to be a good tenant in those places that we're at. So real quick is, have you ever been to Turkey leg hut? And is it as good as they say it is? I'm going to shock the world. I have not yet been to Turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's something about that two hour line that the way my stomach is set up. I, I can't wait that long. So I've been thinking about actually ordering it on Uber eats. I'll tell you what though Houston does have some good food so my last name is Fontenot and my family is partially Creole and Cajun so I got family roots all the way going back to Louisiana the first thing I I stopped to to get as soon as I got here was some good gumbo or some boudin I probably had po' boys for a week and etouffee and I tell you what you can southern cooking there ain't no other like being in Houston Nice, nice. So, how many? Go ahead. Uh, how many companies do you run? Enough, enough to stay busy <laughs> and not to be bored. <laughs> but yeah, one of the things that I focused on after quitting my job, my nine to five, is that I really wanted to be able to develop passive income streams. 
I wanted to find something I would love to do, something as a hobby and something that, you know, keeps me kind of keeps me going. And so I have different business interests in different places because I'm building, I guess you would say a portfolio. I enjoy the process of building things. I'm very much a person that likes to fix stuff. And so seeing companies built from the ground up and being able to develop operation systems, something that I just love doing. If mm-hmm. honestly, if I didn't have to even get paid for it and money wasn't a importance, it's something I still would do because I love the ability that you have to be able to pour into people as you build out businesses and be able to work with people and just the relationships that you develop. So we have a nonprofit, we give scholarships away uh, to uh, first generation students, we have our short term rentals, I have a hedge fund, I also have a marketing agency, and there's a laundry list of other things. But those of us who are, are my main, where my main energy is to be able to put it to, and other ones are more passive in nature. Okay. And then you're, so you said you're running 20 plus units. Do you self manage or do you hire a property manager for those? Yeah. So we built a team in house. Uh, I am not in the day-to-day operations. I'm in every escalation, though. <laughs> so I have a team that I trust that they do they do the, the, a great job at just working with people, managing experiences, and trying to give the best possible experience possible. And they try to make they also make great decisions without much intervention for me. But we use uh, communications tools like Slack to be able to communicate or text message from here there, but mostly. During the day, we can see Slack chatter all during the day about different reservations, people needing things, preparing for people's arrivals. They really put a lot of effort into it. So without this team, there would be no way for this company to even exist. So I'm appreciative of the team more than they could, more than words could say. Man, I will tell you, Slack is powerful. My, my team in Houston has been using it. They put me on Slack. And man, yeah, it's, it's definitely powerful. I'm loving Slack, you know. It, it makes the difference between making video phone calls or doing a screen share or being able to communicate things or assign tasks or have a reminder or, you know, be able to put images, files, you name it. it, it it's definitely a powerful tool. So, so what are your tips on building a successful team? Ooh, that was something that I, it's really grown me through this process because I wasn't the best, I would say, leader. I wasn't the best delegator. I, I was one of those people who wanted to almost do it all. <laughs> mm. so one of the things for me that I've learned is that you really have to take time to empower people uh, I ended up getting a coach that would also help me to learn how to be a better leader throughout this process best investment I could have ever made because essentially I'm guiding people people value a trusted direction that I'm going but ultimately I have to give them the right empowerment to be able to do what they need to do and so what I found is a lot of times people would ask questions and I got to the point of answering questions and then at the beginning everybody began to ask me everything they didn't feel empowered to do stuff. Mm. And one of the things, one of the tricks that I learned um, from my coach, business coach was that you, you really have to empower people to make their own decisions. Right. So what I stopped doing was I stopped answering questions. So when people come to me and ask me something, well, how, well, how should we handle the situation? I would say, what do you think? And really value their input. You know, what, what, what is it that you would do in the situation? What do you think that would be best in this person's interest? And they say, well, this is what I believe. I'm like, all right, cool. Now that you've come up with a solution for this, you don't have to ever ask me ever again for this because I trust your judgment in making the right decision. And the more I started doing that, I started seeing less notifications come to me. And I just started just uh, kind of having to be like, hey, what's going on in here today? Y'all got this under control. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man, I forgot what book, man, I've been reading so many books. I forgot what book that was in. I think it might've been the four hour work week. He was like, man, I just tell them to make the decision or, you know, even if it's something I don't, even if you don't agree with it, let them do it and find out the result. It might be better than the decision you was thinking of giving them. That's right. powerful right there. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, over time, they begin to feel even more, you know, 
they begin to feel even more empowered to do what they need to do. So unless they would say like, hey, this is what I'm doing, just FYI. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And if it, and if it wasn't, then we'd have a conversation about, hey, just the next time for considerations, take the X, Y, and Z and these factors into consideration. Uh, but outside that, you got it, you know? I like that. So how do you find a good coach, a business coach? Ooh, jump on Clubhouse, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it ended up just being really just seeking out somebody specifically that could work. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I found a lot of resources from Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm not opposed to going, seeing somebody's profile on Instagram, and that causes me a, a conversation that I want to have about you know, services that they imply or something on Facebook. And that's honestly how I found a lot of the resources that we found, like our team, our, our person that kind of serves as a property manager for our units. Here, you know, like I would consider our boots on the ground, or Mr. Vixit, our, you know, our savior, our ace in the hole. I mean, so social media has honestly been the way for me to really discover networks and other people and resources that we could use. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> our communications team that handles 24-7 guest communication, I found from a Facebook group. Wow. Everything's it's, on social media if you need it, too. Right. The pre- <laughs> people who, the team that handles our pricing and for all of our units and pushes out daily, I found them on a the Facebook group. It, I mean, the power is in social media, I think, in the networks, and especially like I like rooms like Clubhouse because meeting like, you know, great people like yourselves and just many others that have come to meet in just in a short time, like in two weeks that I've really been on Clubhouse. There's so many resources you can tap into, especially because mm. the internet and social media can bridge gaps that physical distance can't. It's, it's made the world a lot smaller. It really has. <laughs> it so really been, has. So you've been podcasting yourself for a while, you said. Yeah. So we started a, a podcast originally for our company because we had focus on travelers. And so we would teach people how to use credit cards and points to go travel the world, places they should go, and just other things for people to want to know about how to make travel, not just a leisure activity, but something that can be part of a lifestyle. Nice. So travel is very important to you, I, I guess. It is. It's very important. So, so you are you a digital nomad? Um, and and kind of in, in certain ways, yes. Yeah, you'll go off um, like a few months somewhere, and you can work there and live there and stuff like that. I haven't exactly gotten to that point, but I do love to travel and go places. And mm-hmm. the ability now is that I have a lot more flexibility in the things that I can do or can do. Yeah. So for me, like for instance, one of the things I really want to do this year is like maybe take a month a month away. Uh, sorry if the team just found this out but <laughs> take a month away and just like go to africa and just like do what i need to do from africa and just uh, just you know manage team because the videos we're, we're all on slack so there's not really much that we can't communicate and so you know, you know we, we have teams that all around the world that time differences definitely play a part but we're able to navigate through those time differences and so i think that you know the ability of having this life is having trusted teams that have different roles and functions and so that that way allows flexibility because uh it pretty much as long as i have pretty much most members most members of our team except for our people that kind of are in uh like our cleaning team people that had to be kind of boots on the ground you can pretty much do everything you need to do from anywhere in the world so physical distance is not really a limitation and that's something that I've always desired from a lifestyle. Um, one of the biggest things that driver for me is that if I eventually have kids, I really want to be able to be there for my kids and be active in their lives. And so what always never impressed upon me is I never wanted to be able to be in a situation in which um, I had to be kind of chained to a physical location. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that I've always desired and kind of the work-life balance that I want for myself. 
Man, you, you touched on a lot of key points there, especially about you traveling far and you still being able to manage your team. So I have a question because you said you do public speaking. Now, do you – I'm going to definitely leave this somewhere. Did you take Toastmasters? I didn't take Toastmasters. Really? Yeah. How did you get into public speaking without taking Toastmasters? Just, you a natural? I, some people say it. Honestly, I, I really don't know. I think, honestly, I, I am an introvert, which people will tell you they don't believe it. And some people do who really know me closely. But I'm an introvert. And so one of the things that helped me actually was starting a podcast. And then starting from podcasts, I started teaching a mentorship program for students. And so after all those experiences, I got to the point where public speaking was something that I could kind of do. And I developed my skills. But I also had my trials and errors, but in a safe space, right? So I remember the beginning of starting podcasts, it would be hard for me to even talk about certain topics, right? Without having to like think really hardly about what I even want to say. But then it got to the point where I could just be asked a question. And I could think really quickly on my feet because of all the podcast topics we had to go through. Or I'd spend hours planning for, for a presentation to give to students in a mentorship program. Those kind of things helped me to be able to become better at public speaking. Kind of in a similar way that I think Toastmasters would prepare you. But Toastmasters is something that I've looked into. And hopefully after this coronavirus pandemic's over, it's something that we can definitely see happen for me in, in 2022 or or on before who knows <laughs> man and the reason i asked that is because uh i'm actually in toastmasters and i joined it kind of the similar reason as you well i joined it for the reason that you said you said you weren't a good leader i was like man i gotta work on my communication and leadership skills so i joined toastmasters and I'm, everything's on zoom so it was pretty cool that's but awesome. uh th that, that's that's cool that you're natural at it you know that that's a that's toastmasters it, it, it's really giving me a lot of power of what mm -hmm. what you can really lead into so that that's cool so, like, like, from when you started, you said you quit your job a few years ago just to dive 100% into short-term rentals? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say 100% into entrepreneurship more than anything. Oh, okay. Because I didn't know at that time what I was going to do. But entrepreneur, uh, I knew short-term rentals was going to be part of it. There were, and then other details, I couldn't even tell you at that time. <laughs> so, uh, so, like, for example, how, if you didn't have a job, how were you able to get arbitrages? So, I actually had a marketing agency, too. And so, I spent time... Uh, growing that marketing agency through different contracts. And that also helped me develop income. Then I started picking up other consulting gigs. And so I was, you know, a jack of all trades, doing a lot, saving my money and putting it towards knowing that I wanted to start my first arbitrage unit. Hmm. That's cool. So like, it seemed like, like in the beginning, you were saying you, you kind of burned the ships, you know, you burned the ships and then you went, you know, you, there was no turning back. And that's cool. That's that's a great way to get into it. How would you suggest like to our listeners how they, you know, is that approach good or is it, would you suggest something else from what you've learned? Please do not follow my path. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. One of the things that was telltale for 2020, uh, 2020 was that when the coronavirus pandemic hit, People began to realize probably what was considered an asset was the difference between a liability, because if you didn't have assets, you were kind of in a financial sit and bind because of the different layoffs that jobs had and other things. And so uh, that really was kind of telltale to saying, hey, your money should be working for you. And I'm not talking about in a savings account. I'm talking about intangible assets that generate some type of monetary income. Mm. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with having a nine to five. I don't think anybody should be ashamed of it. I think there's a lot of pressure that society puts on to being an entrepreneur and it's not exactly for everybody. But what I do think is for everybody's best interest is to find ways of taking money to invest because it's riskier not to invest than it is to invest. So while you have that nine to five job, start putting away money like $500, maybe 
a month, put, put it away towards something that can grow up for a year. And maybe once you have like $6,000, instead of keeping it in your savings account, go invest in something. Now, I'm not going to tell you to do anything too risky, but I mean, some smart news people have seen this Bitcoin. I mean, look at Bitcoin's rise, although it did drop today by a lot. But I mean, if people were smart to invest, the, you know, when Bitcoin was $3,000 at March, that money 10x within the course of uh, less than a year. I mean, there's other kind of things you can invest in having a fitness gym. You can invest in having arbitrage units uh, that you learn how to have somebody else manage, or you can get into real estate, which is usually people's most popular way of investing. But I think that it, while you have jobs and additional income, it makes sense to be able to put that money towards something, put that money somewhere where it's going to be making money for you so that yes, you have a nine to five income, but you also have income coming from something else. And I think it's the little things that you begin to develop because it gets become almost addicting when you start seeing your money grow and you don't want to spend your money as much on other stuff that you seems that can be considered to you as liability or wasteful. And I've seen like my own um, buying habits change. I mean, I, I like nice things. I like to go nice experiences, but what I like more than, more than anything is not being able to be limited in my ability of options of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I had could have done anything differently, four or five years ago, I would have gotten into real estate heavier. I would have been using it while I was working my nine to five jobs. So that I would have had that supplemented. And I didn't exactly do that, but that, you know, hindsight's 2020. So it's a lesson that I share with people now so that they can think and plan for the future. Nice. <laughs> That's what's up though. Now I have a question um, with you jumping off like that and you not having a, was you not having a backup plan that you think that pushed you a little bit further? I always tell people, God knows I'm stubborn. So <laughs> God, God made it to the point where I had no choice but to move. I didn't have anything else that, you know, I had to go basically. So I had to go go off and go do something. So I, I, I always tell people, God knew what he was doing. I didn't have a parachute. I didn't have a backup plan. I literally just had a hope, a wish, and a dream. And stores started opening that I could have never asked for. <laughs> Real quick question. Is James Harden overrated? Oh, no. James Harden's not <laughs> overrated, man. That, that, dude will, that dude will eat some chicken wings and then 20, and 40 PCU the next night. Like, I don't know. James Harden's a great player, though. Yeah. Like, pe- yeah. people are giving him a lot of flack, and I get it. He wants to win a championship. Shoot. We won, we won in Houston. Hopefully, he'll stay. I mean, I believe stay. I think I think the Rockets got a good team this year. I think they got some good pieces between having uh, Christian Wood and you know Bookie Cousins may return. I'm actually super happy because I was happy for him when he was with the Warriors and seeing rehabilitating his career after having the year off with Achilles and then going to Lakers and then you know at least being able to have a championship ring, even though he didn't get a chance to even play. Hmm. Um, and then also you know I think John Wall is showing flashes of brilliance. Like I think the Rockets got a good team. I just need my boy Harden to stay so we can go get this dub. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how did, um, how did you uh, survive the COVID times of when it hit in March? How, how did that affect, impact your business and what did you do to, to pivot? Oh boy, that was something else. So one of the things that happened that we noticed is that leisure travel was the one that was most affected by all of this. So we saw leisure travels was really, you know, in fact, because people couldn't travel, there were, uh, lockdowns imposed, and then all of the flights and the flight details were stopped. We saw a 90% reduction in flights. And so one of the things that we'd already start working on anyways before kind of like COVID hit 
was that we wanted to really focus on getting those more long-term stays and really appealing to the business travelers. That's what our business is based around. We want to really appeal to those business travelers or traveling professionals, consultants, and traveling nurses, et cetera, that are really looking for more out there, their stays from a short-term basis. Because that's something that I can also relate to being the ability to kind of work from everywhere. You want to have fast Wi-Fi, the amenities of home, a washer and dryer, a good kitchen, you know, a comfortable bed, sofa, living space, you know, access to a pool, fitness gym, et cetera. And so, one of the things that we had to do, I mean, it, it really is a fact of problem solving and figuring out a solution that works best. I mean, I think the first day when they canceled the rodeo, we saw about 56 to 55 cancellations. Instantly within an hour, we made up a policy to be able to give out travel vouchers that would be good for the next year. And so we called every single person that had canceled and we were able to research, save, I think like 43 or 45 of them. Mm. And then we instantly started reaching out to people who had stayed with us in the past. We looked to people who were staying all this, like we had staying there for like a month or two months that were like medical patients. We looked to them, could we extend, you know, their stays? Did they need to extend because of the lockdowns and other things that were imposed? And so what ended up happening is we started pivoting our business even harder away from those, uh, like I mentioned, uh, leisure travel into more business stays accommodations and man that made the difference for us that allowed us to stay booked now we had to lower prices they weren't all super profitable reservations but we were doing everything we could to just stay in the game and most importantly we didn't have to let go of our cleaning staff i was more concerned about them because without those long-term stays that's revenue and income for them and so we found a way to be able to offer uh, like different services to at least give them some consistent business so that that way they could be able to you know pay their bills and Man. so it, it was not an easy task at, at all. It required a lot of movement. It required a lot of change on our part. But I was proud of the way our team handled change and navigated it. Because uh, one thing about life is that change is always going to be a constant. So right. you have to kind of pivot and figure out where's the next thing. So, you, okay. So with you having to do that, do you plan on expanding in 2021? Oh, definitely. Okay. We're waiting for the right. I mean, there are people who are expanding right now. Uh, so I've got some uh, friends in the Airbnb and short-term rental space that have expanded, gotten more units. Some of them took over spaces and units from companies like, uh, uh, not Asander, uh, Stay Alfred, who mm-hmm. left some of their units in like, you know, conditions that were not favorable, just kind of up and left. And so uh, we plan on expanding. In fact, we developed an investor program to help people get into your short-term rental business. And so that investors can utilize our brand, utilize our relationships and allow for us to be able to get into different units, but then share a profit share. So it's like a combination of them starting their own uh, Airbnb rental unit, but also being able to have an account manager. So we manage everything as far as day-to-day operations, cleaning team, property management, et cetera. And so it's something that we're trying to expand for 2021 to be able to help more people get into this space, while also we're going to trying to work on our own reserves and funds to be able to expand on our own so that we have more of our own kind of property owned units. But it's oh. definitely 2021 with the COVID vaccine and other things that are changing as far as the dynamics of this pandemic situation that we're in, we see that there's an opportunity for growth. Um, although the, we do believe that there'll still be one more impending shutdown or there's going to be some type of way of closing of the world um, soon because you see these new mutations and variations of the COVID 19 uh, virus and much more, but we definitely believe this is a space that still is going to continue to grow and there's still an opportunity for arbitrage. Okay. So with your expanding, are you going to stay in the Houston market or are you going to different markets? Houston has been favorable to us. It's been a great place to be. It's some place that we'll definitely grow out of. 
Uh, but I think the near term, we're going to still stay in Texas and then evaluate as the year kind of progresses, looking at anything elsewhere. So we'll definitely look towards places like Dallas, maybe San Antonio, uh, as far as looking in Texas markets, but definitely out of state, nothing until not even 2021 considerations. I mean, 2022 sure. considerations. <laughs> okay. What type of units are you targeting? Ones, twos, threes? So our portfolio is all one bedrooms. We don't have any two bedrooms. It's something that we found like a niche for that we could be able to really provide a great value. Something that we'll also reconsider too, is we've gotten some requests for two bedrooms, but business has been good with one bedroom. So, you know, we've kind of been, it's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> but it's something that we keep an open eye to, right? To be on the mind to all the things, because there's also, a, there's inherent risk coming with any kind of different unit. Uh, especially the bigger unit, there's more susceptible to parties, which is something that we don't allow and something that we're keeping in mind and watching, you know, how the behavior changed. Because definitely the behavior that we've noticed from like our noise sensor, there's been a lot more, I guess you would say excitement within our units than previously before. And it's probably because a lot because people have been confined into enclosed situ spaces. And so being able to be inside some of our units provides some joy. So we're just kind of aware of those things. But we, like I mentioned, we have great partners in the buildings we work with and we just want to be a good tenant and making sure that we're a good partner into those communities. So we don't want to bring anything that would disrupt the experience of anybody that's there. So, and so what, oh, good. Oh, I was going to say on your one bedrooms, what are you offering? You said of something of value, what are you offering to keep those booked? Uh, we focus on the amenities that you need for home, right? Okay. So we want you to be fully equipped. We want you to be able to have no hassle, no hassle entry with smart locks being able to make sure that you never have to miss an important phone call or you don't have to ever worry about the interruptions of watching your favorite movie or never, if it's a rainy day, you don't have to worry about going anywhere. We have a fully stock, we have a fully equipped kitchen to give you everything you need to make those comfort meals at home that remind you of your mother or your, your, your grandmother's cooking, being able to have really comfy beds so you can have a great night's sleep so that you're not waking up the next morning feeling really bad, bad. And then having comfortable spaces to be able to have like sleeper sofas to be able to have other people that stay with you as well as like a air mattress. So we try to keep our units fully equipped and stocked with all the things that you need. All you have to do is bring your energy, a couple of groceries and a smile. It's like a commercial, man. Pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh man. So so some tips on, on setups, man. How do you get some setups going on the, I don't say on the cheap, but on the affordable? Yeah, so it's trying to find values and find relationships. We try to buy things in bulk. Bulk for us has helped. Um, and this kind of price comparison shopping. I wish I was one of those people who could do like the uh, coupon, like, you know, extreme couponing. Because, man, <laughs> if, if I had that kind of skill, man, buying this furniture would be easy. But We've developed group relationships with great places to uh, get furniture in places at favorable rates in which we can stay profitable as a company, um, but also getting a good deal and also making sure we have shipping because shipping is important. <laughs> mm. and, and so like how much would a one bedroom usually take to, to set up? How much? I usually say our, our recommended is about $10,000. And that covers everything that we can think of from um, covering like the partial first month's rent to deposits to having some team members install stuff to a small budget just in case we need to spend some money on ad spend to get some initial views to uh, uh, furnishing the apartment and even having an interior design team come in. Wow. That's okay. That's pretty good. So you're doing uh, 10 a pop. Wow. 10 a pop. We're, so you're going we're high, end. high end, huh? 
and not even high end because I've seen, I've seen one bedrooms done for 14. Um, I've seen also done for much less, but what we try to find is a happy medium of, of a space in which, uh, a happy meaning in which a space in which people can find a good balance and comfort, but it's not something that's breaking the bank. So how do you negotiate with uh, apartment complexes to get a really good deal? Um, mostly it's just try, trying to find ways that we provide value, right? So uh, we reach out to people that we believe could have in, in need of form, some form of occupancy, or they have a lot of people that are looking for short-term rates because um, not everybody has to say yes to you allowing you to do short-term rentals, right? Mm-hmm. But it's got to be something that makes sense for both parties. And I think a lot of times I see people that are freshly starting to this, getting to the game of, well, I want to do this, allow me to do it, rather than saying, what is it that you bring to the table that's the reason why I should allow you to do that? And so we try to find ways so that we can be a partner. Uh, one of our units that we stay in, in the Medical Center of Houston specifically noted to us that they have a lot of patients that come and looking for short-term stays, and they needed a partner that had availability. So we focused on was making a process that could be completed for them to be able to complete a registration within five minutes and get access to the keys. And so for nice. them, that solved the need for them. And so it's something with our apartment communities, we, on a quarterly basis, we want to have a business review to understand what is it that we can do better as a partner? What are ways that we're succeeding? What are ways that we have opportunities? And listening to their feedback and really understanding what are their needs? Like, do they need more units? How can we help them? Because we're here, like I mentioned, we're here to be a good solution and a win-win for everybody. And so what do you look for when you go look for the next unit to start? What, what areas, um, what kind of unit? I mean, yeah, what all do you look for? And like you said, how, do you study if they don't have enough occupancy and they give you a better specials or what all do you look for? Yeah, so we look for a combination of, you know, a great opportunity for us, a place where they don't have so much occupancy or high traffic or they have high requests for short-term rentals or maybe they don't have a guest suite or we also look at the areas we look at what, what we could potentially get from a nightly rate perspective what does it look like from a monthly perspective we look at the cost what is the apartment cost we have a matrix in which we follow out and say hey would this be a profitable venture would this not be a profitable venture then we look at you know what type of, we know our clientele we know exactly the clientele and what we want and what they want so we try to figure out, is this something that would be providing a value or service to them so that we could be able to keep a sustainable business? Hmm. Nice. And um, have you ever, you're able to negotiate better deals with apartment complexes? Like, hey, if we rent for two years, do we get like $100 off a month or do you get like a free couple months rent or what? We definitely try to work in deals that we can. Now, we're not doing anything like Sonder that got months free because they had a clause in their uh, agreement that said if the Dow Jones dropped by a certain number of points, they don't pay rent. (laughs) That was ingenious. I wish, you know, I wish we had something like that, but no, we work to find favorable deals and it's a way of negotiations, right? So that each party comes to it and they try to get something that is meaningful to them. So it ultimately ends up walking away from the table with the right value on both sides. And do you put special clauses in the, in the leases to like, just in case, I don't know, the city band, Airbnb, you could, y'all be able to hop out? Not so much because like I mentioned, our business is short-term rentals. Airbnb for us is just a marketing platform and it's not something that we even have to be on to be able to successfully run our business. But we understand that the ways and the ways the world and the internet has been changed. And we, I wouldn't say we exactly get special clauses, but there's definitely things that we have agreed upon between the apartment buildings to be able to make sure that it's conducive for us to be a partner at that building and not put us in a compromising situation. So it's something that we wouldn't even go into a deal with a unit if it wasn't going to be something that we could be able to be a benefit from. Okay. Okay. 
and you touched on something very, very, I think very important. You said Airbnb is a marketing platform, which a lot of people ain't grasped that yet. So have you hopped on the direct booking train yet? Yes, we've been there for years. So we got there probably faster than we got to Airbnb. <laughs> so you know, we, get, we get a lot more direct bookings. We got to get a lot of return bookings. Oftentimes for us, somebody will come stay with us for Airbnb for a couple of days. They decide to stay with us for multiple months and they continue to come back to us. Um, so it's something that we try to develop an experience that will help people to return so that people know to come to us directly. It's all about building your brand. Yes, sir. And what platforms are you using for your direct booking? You have your own website or are you using a channel manager? Yeah, so we have our own website. Uh, and through our website, you can be able to book through us and direct, it links directly into our property management solution, which we use as Guesty. Okay. Well, uh, what are you using for marketing? Um, essentially like Facebook ads, Instagram, uh, social media mostly. Uh, n- okay. Not too much on paid ads. We actually stay somewhere between 93 to 95% occupancy. You know, our lowest points, we are somewhere around 70%. So we stay fairly booked. We get to the point sometimes where we have to turn away people, which is a bad, which is a good, bad place to be, which is the reason why we want to expand. <laughs> man, I'm in that same situation right now, man. I know what you mean. Um, so you, you, you don't do many paid ads. So what are some branding techniques that you use? Um, some things like we have a little keychain with our names on it, or other things you could do, like having uh, branded water bottles or branded shampoo, or even like having like a referral card that's inside the unit and say, hey, if you refer people, we'll receive maybe $10 off, $10 off a night or some of the reservation. Mm. But things that we use to be able to really help people know, hey, we would love for you to return, right? Um, and helping people to uh, be able to spread the word. I kid you not. Uh, last week, I had to laugh because, I, like I mentioned, I'm not in the day-to-day of the business. Like, the team runs it. They handle that. I get notifications all the time. And so I saw a notification from a guest who had stayed from us from th- three or four months prior. And they said, hey, I told my coworker about y'all. She needs to come down for about two months. Uh, I, you mind if I uh, give, you, give her y'all's contact information to her? And we were like, yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Like, thank you. You know, thank you. That, that, that was cool to me. Like, you know, he felt we have, a, uh, we have text messages that we allow people to communicate with us through text message and the number stays the same. So they can always text us. We even have people just renegotiate the book, you know, read, come the book, say, hey, I want to come back to y'all. I think they save our number at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's just so cool that, you know, we've made it accessible for him to feel even comfortable to have done that. And that's why I know, hey, we really made a good experience. And that's why I shared the team you know, y'all provided this experience for him that he felt comfortable and desired to make sure that his coworker knew, hey, you're going to use it? Oh, this is where you need to stay. Man. And, and how, how many of your bookings right now would you say are direct, like percentage? Do you know? I don't know that off the top of the hand, but I know it's growing a number. It used to be less than three to five percent. Now they're going to anywhere from 20 to 30 percent. Oh, man. Congratulations. That's where you got to be. Yeah. And, you know, we'll do more in 2021 to really focus on developing that brand because my goal would be not have to worry about these marketing platforms. So we just do it all direct, you know, uh, that that's ultimately what I would consider the win situation for us. Same here, man. That's my whole goal of 2021 is branding and marketing come direct. I love that. So how many units are you looking to pick up this year? As many as I can get my hands on. <laughs> the, the actual number, I don't really know off the top of my head. I have some aggressive goals. Um, but I haven't really decided what is what exactly is going to be considered healthy for us, right? But if we could double our portfolio, I think that'd be great. If we triple our portfolio, I'd be even happier. If we could 5X, I'd start saying we're putting somewhere. But, you know, 
anything's to happen with, especially we're not out of the pandemic yet. And we recognize that there's still a lot that's still going on. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're monitoring the situation closely to be able to make the wisest decision and not put us, our, our business in a compromising place. Hmm. Nice. So what are some of your hobbies, man? What do you do in your spare time? If you have any spare time? Yeah. Travel. No surprises there. Yeah. Love sports. Love watching sports, going to sports. Uh, occasionally go out to the gym, go out and enjoy nature here and there. But I love eating food. No surprises there. I'm partially Cajun, so you got to have some good soul food. And just, you know, I don't know, learning, trying new things. Try to read books occasionally, listen to podcasts. I enjoy uh, being part of like Bible study and just things to really be in relationships with people. But my biggest, uh, I guess I would say activity or thing that I love to do is travel. If I could do that for the rest of my life, life has been made for me. Facts. That sounds like you can do it already. Right. I, I'm, what do they say? You have to engineer the life that you want. And I definitely have been uh, actively doing that for the last couple of years. And I kid you not, best decision ever made. And definitely continue to put more uh, drive and everything I can to be able to make sure that it's sustainable so that I can be able to do this forever, forever. Because there's so much word out there. I love to see it. Man. What unique tip like um, that you could give to our listeners about their own short-term rental journey that like something that, something, you know, you always hear the kind of the same ones over and over again, but like what unique one have you learned? Something like different that you learned that you could, like you could share with them. Um, I'd say one of the things I really liked doing was, Eventually, when I started, when I first started in the whole short-term rental business, I would just go buy, like, if let's say for somebody wants some extra toilet paper or something, was a light bulb went out. And sometimes I'd tell my team, don't worry about it, I'll go. Because I, I live, like, five to seven minutes between all of our properties. So I can go to any one of them within less than 10 minutes. And I would just go there, and I would just talk to people. I wouldn't tell them who I was or anything. And I would just let them get their candid feedback. And, you know, you know that show, Undercover CEO? Yeah. It would kind of be something like that for me because uh, I'll never forget. There was this one guy who went to our very first unit and the guy, you know, I, I forgot what it was. It was something he was having. He couldn't get the TV to think to turn on to the sports. And he was a, 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 a elderly gentleman. And so I said, yeah, I'll go over there and I'll go help him. So I walked, went, you know, drove over there, went to the unit. I showed him how to work the TV. And he was showing me like his, his, his grandkids and stuff. And it was just super exciting, right? To talk about him and, and just talk with him and learn a lot about life. And we had conversations about all kinds of different topics from sports, the world, travels, careers, you know, life and such like that. And, you know, I probably spent probably about an hour there with him. And I gave him all my favorite restaurants, places to eat, et cetera. And um, I, I never forget his wife had booked the unit for him. And I think we got a message. And I remember seeing the review and we got a message from him and he said, you know, they were saying there was some young gentleman that really went over there to talk over there and just talk with him. And he, that made his night Aww. because it really touched him that somebody cared enough to go over there and just kind of help him with the little things. He said, you know, whatever, whoever your CEO is, just let them know that y'all are doing a good job. Oh, that's awesome, man. And he, he had no idea who I was. I didn't even tell him what I was and what position I had within the company. Like a lot of people would be surprised sometimes I just make phone calls. Sometimes I read uh, I'll read messages and just get up and call guests out the blue, thank them for a stay, maybe apologize for something that happens, offer a discount for some things if there was something that didn't go ideal. And, you know, it's just the little things of staying in touch with the people because we can get wrapped up in doing things for ourselves, but I ultimately do this for the people. 
And if I'm not serving people, we don't have a business. I serve employees and I serve other customers. I am a servant to all these people in a way. And so if you stay in touch with what the people need and you listen to that feedback, you'll know exactly what decisions to make in hard times. Mm. Man, I love that so much. I mean, it's like we've been in this business or on this podcast for a few years now. And, um, and, and, you know, you see all this stuff on social media as people flexing and stuff like that. You know, you get this, you know, talking about the numbers, talking about how much you can make and this and that and no money down and all that, you know, but it's all about that. You just described it, man. We're in this for the people. We're in this to, to offer something of value, right? Mm-hmm. And give uh, above and beyond customer service like you're doing. I mean, there's no way you're not going to be successful doing that. That's amazing. That's always my hope. And that's why I always try to preach for everybody. We want to make sure everybody has the best experience, but I think one of the things important for me is I get more, like I mentioned, I'm outside of uh, the day-to-day operations. I have to make sure that I stay close to the people and never forget that. That's my mission. So I try to do little things here and there to, you know, go up. Sometimes I'll just go there when the cleaning team is cleaning because I just want to just see what's going on. So how I can help, what can I do? Something I need to change. Hey, you know, give me any feedback. I just, I just want to know how, how we can make this a better situation, you know? Uh, I love that. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. If you had to start all over from scratch, what would you do to accelerate your, what would you have done earlier in your business to accelerate it? Man, if I could have done everything from scratch, the first thing I would have done is I would have gotten uh, more co-hosting units (laughs) and I would have focused on co-hosting as a way to build income on top of arbitrage. Uh, Even though I wouldn't be able to control experience as much, but I would have just made sure that, Hey, um, based on, you know, these co-hosting, this allows us, you know, abilities for us to expand and grow. So. Oh man, this has been a great episode, man. We, we appreciate you hopping on Brian. Um, yeah, real quick, where can folks find you, man? Where can they yeah, find you? Yeah. So you can find me pretty much everywhere on social media. Uh, my handle is pretty much the same. It's always at Brian L. Fontenot, but you can catch me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I mean, also at my website as well too. So brianalfonsnow.com. But I welcome conversation. I think it's a space for us all to grow into and all for us to feel to find some success and happiness. How do I get on that hedge fund, man? Are y'all getting Bitcoin? What's going on? Oh, so <laughs> Forex trading and investments. So it, it, reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Instagram DMs. I mean, my goal is this year, I want to create 100 billionaires. And so I'm trying to provide programs to help people to be able to develop passive income streams. So you'll keep that nine to five, but also have some additional income coming in. Love it. Yeah, I'm contact check that me. Out. Challenge me on that. I want everybody to keep me honest. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. As if you need more things to do, right? Right. <laughs> I, I want to spread as much. I want to see. I judge my life by how many people I can help. So this is what I want to do is make sure that people are in positions that they can help take care of their families and they can spread seeds to help others. Oh, man. That's beautiful. It's been a great show. Michael, what do you think? Sir, good show, man. Brian, thanks for coming on, man. Clubhouse has really been a great, great networking tool, and I'm actually about to hop on there now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can catch us at Live, Let, Thrive. Remember to follow us on IG, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave a comment. or And wherever else you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah. And remember, you can send us an email at liveletthrive at gmail.com. And if you know someone who would be a good guest, head over to our Calendly link on our website and have them sign up. So, yeah, I could thank y'all for continuing to support us. And this is the reason why we love doing this. We get awesome guests like Brian. So I'm inspired. I'm inspired. 
man thank y'all so much for having me i really appreciate this and this podcast has been lots of fun oh definitely. thank you thank you sir all right we are out later peace thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of live let thrive be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of airbnb and all that entails bye-bye